underground So when you pray, you can fuck around No one will ever save you Once you're dead, then you're dead, there is no coming back Newsflash, the world cracks wide the fuck open Swallowing you and your homies whole Whole notes, holistic remedies, the whole kid and caboodle It is holier than now Digested by the earth, you have been jailed in the essence Bewitched, imprisoned, disappear in the black expanse Your God is from the underground So when you pray, you're gonna fuck around No one will ever save you When you're dead, then you're dead, there is no coming back Your God is from me Hello everyone, welcome to episode 99, 99 of Oh boy. Oh yeah, I'm one of your hosts, Thomas. And I am your other host, Daniel. And today we are kind of doing a different thing, we're choosing some movies that I like, sorry, we're doing it a little bit different, we're not really doing a franchise at the moment, we're getting close to 100, so we're just doing some random choices, and this choice for this week was the film Kuso. And so, mm-hmm. Daniel, would you like to read the IMDb synopsis for Kuso? Sure. Events unfold after a devastating earthquake in Los Angeles. Love it. Short and sweet. That's it. Events <laughs> unfold. Yes. <laughs> they sure do. <laughs> yeah, yes, they definitely unfold. Uh, yeah. I feel like most movies that take place in Los Angeles can be described this way. Yeah, yeah, definitely. There's probably an earthquake at some point in the timeline of any movie. Yes, yeah. Um, <laughs> in the background somewhere. On the Richter scale, it happened, but um, yeah. So this was my choice. I guess I want to ask you, Daniel, what did you think about Cuso? <laughs> I hated Cuso, dude. <laughs> I hated this movie. Um, so it's kind of my my recollection might be a little fuzzy because I watched it last week. Um, but <laughs> I watched it last week, and I was not eager to refresh my memory because uh, this is the most disgusting movie I've ever seen. Um, I've seen Pink Flamingos and, like, all the John Waters stuff. Are you familiar with Pink Flamingos? Pink Actually, Fl- I haven't. Yeah, I'm not really that versed in John Waters. And, so Pink Flamingos, yeah. it's about uh, a, people who are competing to be the most disgusting people on Earth. Yeah. So you're setting yourself up for a lot of gross shit. This movie outdoes all that because this movie <laughs> uses the power of surrealism to show you unfathomably disgusting things. <laughs> uh, things that should be impossible. Um, And so if there's anything I could commend it for, it's that, like, there are... So this movie, it's kind of an anthology. There's four different stories here, and it's... uh, They aren't narratively intertwined, but they are structurally intertwined because we're editing between all of the different stories. Um, And if there's anything I could commend it for is some of these... uh, One of them in particular looks very cool. It has a very interesting design. I'm I'm thinking of... uh, is it smear? Yeah, the one about a small yeah. man in the forest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um it just has a very interesting look to it. It feels very DIY. It reminds me of some like sort of bizarre movies that have come out of uh Japan. Um yeah. that I've seen like clips of but I've never actually seen. Um totally. But uh yeah, so there's a lot of like the the dedication to portraying the bizarre is and the admirable <laughs> <laughs> question mark uh, it is certainly something <laughs> um but uh i don't necessarily enjoy anything that's in here i can't recommend this movie to anybody i think uh david firth 
and salad finger sucks <laughs> i'm not a fan of salad fingers uh so him his contributions to this i'm like whatever um yeah i'm not into this movie go ahead Thomas. Right. what did you think of so, so i enjoyed it for what it is i think it is a pretty disgusting movie uh not something i would typically watch but um yeah i'm a i'm not really big uh i don't not a big fan or i don't really know much about david firth or salad fingers any of that stuff but i'm a huge flying lotus fan mm-hmm. huge fan of like his music and like his music videos are always pretty like thought-provoking and pretty visually driven and so when I heard he like made a movie years ago, I was like, oh, damn, like, I really want to see this. Yeah. But I, I didn't watch any trailers that sort of just kind of avoided it. And then you started getting like more stories about like, oh, yeah, like there's walkouts at Sundance. And like they're saying like it's the most disgusting movie ever made. And this only piqued my interest even more. I was like, I just really want yeah. to see this movie. But yeah, I was sort of mentioning before we started recording that it kind of flew under the radar for me. I didn't really seek it out. And then, yeah, as we were getting close to 100, I was just like, you know what? It's a good time to, to check out Kuso and to, to see what this movie is about. And yeah, I, I really, I do appreciate it. You said there's no like connection between the two, but I think like there is like the, the one very small through line of like this earthquake has infected Los Angeles. And because like this earthquake has done something devastating to various groups of people and it's playing out in very bizarre strange ways and i don't know it's i think this movie like the music is fantastic i think like there, it's very surreal it's very immature it's very gross like there's a lot of just like dumb fart noises and shit that just kind of like bring it down for me a little bit but overall i i really enjoyed it for what it was i like even like the gross body horror stuff was like kind of getting to me at some points there was actually something i watched right before watching this movie that actually made me physically ill, which doesn't really quite happen when I'm like watching movies or TV. And I'll mention that thing later, but I think that piece of media sort of helped desensitize me a little bit to the things that happened in Kuso. Cause I was like, okay, like after seeing that fucked up thing, like seeing like boils on people and like, like these weird, bizarre, like 3d kind of geometrical trip scenes and like uh, just a lot of just like, goo and shit and it didn't really quite bother me so it didn't feel like super disgusting it kind of just felt like weird and immature at times and so that's sort of yeah it's very juvenile that's that's sort of like how i feel sort of like the worst part of it is like oh yeah it's like a little bit juvenile and silly at times but i think overall it's still like it's like a fun movie Uh, nothing i I wouldn't really watch it again but I, i was going back and checking out some clips and stuff like that and kind of refreshing my memory a little bit. And I don't know, I like, I like it for what it is. I think, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it's not perfect, but yeah, I think I appreciate the fact that it's an anthology and it's sort of told in chunks. I was, so you mentioned, um, smear being the thing that you sort of like commended the most. I think that's the short that I like the most in this entire movie, but, uh, yeah. What do you like? What part of it besides the visuals did you like, like about it? It's really just the look of it. Like, gotcha. it feels a little more... There's something very dreamlike about it. Uh, yeah. Like, so... So I feel like it's it's easier for me to contrast against the others to kind of explain what I like. But, like, um, so Mr. Quiggle is one of the other stories about a woman who's pregnant. She goes to, you know, Dr. George Clinton. And there's another man there, <laughs> played by Zach Fox. Yes. Uh, Zach Fox gives the most human performance in this movie like the closest to resembling a human as any person in this movie yes Um, and it actually allows for some like pretty decent comedic moments but like smear 
it's like there's no humans in this <laughs> like it's just it's just bizarre uh it's it's i i want to say there's either no or very little dialogue in smear from what i remember um yeah very little it feels like it's all just being explored visually um yeah and it just it feels so so okay so for the listeners smear is about uh this boy who <laughs> he's laughed out of a classroom for uh, shitting his pants, he runs into the forest. I'm reading from the IMD for from the Wikipedia. Runs to and for the forest, finds a strange creature with only an anus-like orifice and a worm-like tongue. <laughs> uh, he feeds the creature some of his species, which causes it to apparently evolve, growing a face in place of its tongue. On their second meeting, the creature transfers a beam of green light to Charlie's head, empowering him to stop going to school and overcome his mother at last. I don't know if I quite got that part, um, yeah, but there was some... a lot of. <laughs> Yeah, smearing and feeding of feces to things and causing weird transformations and evolutions. Yeah, uh, I was looking at some clips on YouTube and uh, YouTube comments were mentioned that there is like the mother is feeding the son the father and the mm -hmm. father is like inside of the son. And that's something I completely missed while watching this. And yeah, yeah there's a lot of things like that where... I feel like if I watched it again, I might pick up on, but it's, it's not quite the movie that in, like begs it to <laughs> I be watched. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so I, I'm I'm with you. I think yeah, I like that one because it's yeah, it seems to be the most just like uh, simply told. And uh, yeah, you say that Zach Fox is the most like human person, but I don't know. Anders Holm plays like the teacher that kicks him out, and he looks like a normal kind of human, despite most of the people in this movie have like boils and stuff on but i'm speaking of in terms of like performance like gotcha, zach fox gotcha, okay. he feels like a grounded human being <laughs> like, yes, yes, so yeah, so no one else i don't think does correct yes i agree <laughs> yeah um is there one that you think is like the absolute worst something that you just no redeeming qualities at all i don't like so royal doesn't do anything for me uh gotcha. yeah it's yeah. out of the gate we're smearing semen on each other's faces and stuff like that uh, and then, of course, it concludes with fucking a uh, bizarre orifice that has opened up on a woman's neck. Um, why? What are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that one, that's the one where it's like, yeah, it's like, I, like, besides just, like, just trying the hardest just, like, to gross us out with the yeah, ad, it's like, just making it just, the skin it, look as bad as possible. Yeah, it's just, it's, yeah, it's kind of It feels low effort. Like, it's like, okay. I don't know, it's just... How about this? We put up boils over people's face, and then uh, then they they pop their zit, and it splays jizz all over. <laughs> like like you could just yeah. come up with anything like that. It's like totally. oh, well, yeah. like George Clinton. Like the grossest scene in this movie to me is when uh, Doctor George Clinton uh, has <laughs> a giant roach crawl out of his ass, and then the roach vomits all over Zach Fox's face. Yeah, Mister Quiggles. When we finally get to meet Mister Quiggles, and it's like. That is like something out of a nightmare. Uh, the concept of it, which is cool. Congratulations on showing me the most <laughs> disgusting uh, image I've ever seen and doing it in a way where it's like, you know, surreal and bizarre and not just like, I don't know, divine eating dog shit at the end of Pink Flamingos. Spoiler alert. <laughs> but, uh, but at the same time, it's like, what are we doing? <laughs> like... Well, what are we? What do we hope to achieve here? Gotcha. Uh, and why? Okay, I, I guess I could sort of see that. I, I think I'm a little bit more uh, forgiving after listening to some interviews with Flying Lotus talking about 
the sort of the drive to sort of make something grotesque, but also to make something sort of radical. But I don't know. I felt like while watching this, it reminded me a lot of like at least visually driven how like how strange it tries to be it kind of reminds me of like the work of Tim and Eric, but it feels like a derivative and like a sort of a step down from that where it's not as, not as, it is, I think there are moments of this movie that make me laugh in, in very sadistical, cynical ways. Like there's a the scene in the uh, Mr. Quiggles with the character B where like they rip out the fetus and you get the, the, the finish him sound like from Mortal Kombat. And it's just like fucking just so inappropriate for like, like the, just like that, the contrast of those two things just like just so fucked up. But it just makes me laugh at just the audacity of it. But um, yeah, I don't know. I, just, I think I like the music and I like just a lot of the sh like the strangeness of Sock I was kind of into. Like I haven't seen a lot of like, really radical Japanese horror films, but it, I don't know, it, it felt like a nice, like, I don't know, not maybe not an homage, but it just felt like, okay, this is an interesting kind of visual take on those kind of movies. So that's the one that David Firth co-wrote, um, who does behind Salad Fingers and stuff. And it definitely has more of a, there's sort of like a pacing and tone to that one that feels a little more, um, gosh, I don't even know how to describe it. L slightly more deliberate. <laughs> Yeah, maybe that's that's a good word for it. Um, I don't know. I, I want to say disturbing, but everything's disturbing in this. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. That's one where I like didn't really understand at all what's happening, and so when like she's like crawling through like this underground, like uh, presumably like, like under Los Angeles or whatever, like crawling through the remains of this earthquake and like going into like this really colorful void, which Wikipedia calls like she's like going into hell or like, going into like this black hole. And, and then it turns into, like, this sitcom where she's, like, attached to this other person underground. And they're just, like, they're, yeah. they're, like their legs and bodies have just, like, turned into this, like, complete mass. That's, like, pure nightmare shit for me. But it's yeah. also, it's, like, they're playing, like, sitcom laughter under it, too. So it's, like, okay, like, this is... It's the I, only I one that really feels like a horror movie. Like, in terms of, like, uh, like dread and, like, yeah. uh, I don't know if there's, like, a fear component. Like, a lot, like a lot of... Like, horror, disgust is a major part of horror, and everything else is playing into that. Uh, but it also feels like there's, like, this comedic sort of, uh, you know, element to Mr. Quiggle and Royal. Or, and uh, Smear is, isn't so comedic as it is just, like, bizarre and strange. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, Sock is the only one that feels like this is actually touching on, uh, you know, fear and, like, what we expect of like the woman crawling through the ground and like being attached to another woman. Like, yeah, this is like, it's body horror and like, yeah, it kind of like, like chewing concrete and cockroaches and shit. <laughs> yeah. And apparently that was a real cock, like it wasn't a real cockroach, but it was like the shell of a real cockroach that they had put like some sort of taffy or something in. And yeah, that the actress actually that. had to bite it. Yeah. It's fucking it's gnarly. Terrible. Uh, what did you think of the intro? Like the intro and the outro with bus driver sort of doing like this freeform jazz hip hop kind of just like sort of like a summary, but also just like just sort of throwing a lot of the themes into like these, like these verses and these raps. Um, so I tried to watch it with, I watched this on shutter. I don't know where you, wa you watched it. Um, yeah. And I tried to watch I it with subtitles it. because I wanted to like keep up with what he was saying. He's speaking very quickly. Um, yes, the yeah. subtitles were a mess for whatever reason on shutter they're like auto generated when it's like this is a shutter original it's like an official release <laughs> like they yeah. should really have good uh 
captions for that. But um, but yeah, like the bus driver stuff. After I after I left, I uh, probably watched like the first thirty minutes of this, and then went to go pick up Emily. But like I had that song stuck in my head about like yeah. once you're dead, then you're dead. There's no coming back. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, it's yeah. It it is a bizarre way to introduce this movie because it is so tonally different than what you're in for. Um, I don't think it necessarily does a good job of establishing the tone and the expectations for the audience. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, how do you feel about it? I mean, I loved it when I like first like I rented this movie and I put it on and actually. It made me sort of reflect a little bit on how fucked up I might be as a person. I was eating a carne asada burrito while watching this movie, and I was like, I, like, I shouldn't be able to like enjoy this amazing Mexican delight yeah. on this, like, this burrito while seeing just like the most deplorable fucked up shit on screen. But yeah, I love Bus Driver, like uh, fucking Imaginary Places, an incredible song, and yeah, just just like that really frantic energy is something I just really appreciate with hip-hop, and it reminds me a lot of the work from his album previous to this that came out in 2014 called You're Dead, which like had Kendrick Lamar on it and uh, Thundercat. and Yeah, just like that like really aggressive and abrasive, just like very fast kind of just storytelling, but also just like very freeform and kind of just all over the place. And I wasn't as big on the second one on the outro because this movie is very draining. And so by the time yeah. I got to the end of it, I was like, fuck, like I, I don't think I can do this again but it's like a longer version yeah but i think it's a good i don't know i think it's a good way to sort of bookend it and to kind of just place it in this realm of like this is like trying to be it's trying to connect this insane bizarre set of images and stories to like a real place and it i don't know it kind of resonated with me a little bit so it's like this movie feels like unapologetically black if that makes any Mm -hmm. sense where it feels like this movie is very black and like confrontational in some ways with like the use of the n-word and like trying to like make you sort of uncomfortable with it and i don't know i just like i appreciated the really frantic beginning and the sort of like a smooth kind of letdown like sort of landing at the end of it Hmm. yeah it's like what did you think of like the the two like intergalactic beings in the the like there's like another little like rap section where it's like the character uh, her name is B but it's like an artist called the buttress and she does like a little song and she has like these guys living in her house <laughs> yeah see like the, those characters I love the design of those characters and I feel like that is one of the strengths of this movie is there's a lot of interesting design ideas but like mm-hmm. I feel like what is being done with these figures these sort of uh I don't know sculptures entities whatever he, it is he's creating what the, the actions that they're performing and what is being done with them is just not that's where you lose me <laughs> okay see i was into it i thought it was like, really funny <laughs> every like why do they have to be throwing shit <laughs> like yeah there's, there's like people throwing feces and wiping feces on each other in every one of these shorts yeah sure. there's a, a a shit hitler mustache that appears <laughs> It's just absolutely just ridiculous. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I think, yeah, it does seem like silly. I think they sort of help kind of connect to this whole theme of the earthquake. Because she asks, she's like, did you kill all my friends or whatever? She's like, no, like we kind of just, we sent them somewhere else. And they're like, they're farming there now. So I don't know. They're they're trying to like make a little bit of a a connection to sort of tie it together. And I think I do appreciate the comedy in it because it helps sort of like, it's like a nice palate cleanser for just like you know the feces and the jism and, and like the boils and you know all the the eating of the concrete and I cockroaches can't get into it, man. like the fact that we're even talking about this is insane. 
I mean, I I, I, I like it. I, I think... W- yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Finish that. I, like, I think I like it for what it is. Yes, not perfect. Uh, like, not a movie I would, like, throw on again or, a dinner like, party. With a, or a group of people or something <laughs> like that. But it's something I do appreciate, uh, just the fact that it does exist. And it is, like, a weird fucking, just, like, this strange abomination that is, like... I don't know. That I thought I thought was uh, entertaining for a good amount of time. I think if I was a teenager, I probably would have been a lot more interested in this as like an extreme piece of cinema. That's fair. Uh, That's fair. I think I've when I was a teenager, like my sister and I kind of went on a journey of like, can we find like what is the most disturbing movie we could find? Um, And so that's when I saw like Pink Flamingos and Solo and um, I don't know, like a lot of like violent stuff, like Takashi Miike stuff. And then I remember in college, I watched this movie called Grotesque, which is just like a sort of a torture porn movie. It's like this guy kidnaps this couple who's on a date. They're in his basement and he's just mutilating them, doing horrible things to him. And I remember at some point I was just like, what am I doing? Like, why am I watching this? Like, what what am I hoping to get out of this? There's like some weird slapstick stuff later on. (laughs) And like, there's some very cruel, fucked up ideas in that movie that I still find very intriguing. But like, uh, it, it was just like, what why are we doing this <laughs> like like there was some like what were the what did the actors everyone who worked on Kuso what were they what did they think <laughs> of the thing that they were participating in were they just trusting like yeah I'm sure he's got a vision <laughs> like yeah. I don't quite understand what's going on but I'm sure it'll all work out uh, yeah, I was watching an interview with Flying Lotus. He was talking about like, yeah, it was sort, it was difficult to find people to commit to making this movie, and yeah, even so, it's like, yeah, it's like Tim Heidecker agreed to be in it, but yeah, it still was like had some reservations, and you know, it's it has George Clinton, and he's like, it's yeah, insane just, that George Clinton's in this. Yeah, just, Good Burger <laughs> and this. <laughs> it's a great filmography. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I, I really enjoyed uh, the latter half of uh, the Mr. Quiggles. Just like, I don't know. It, maybe I was stoned while watching it. I think that might have helped. But yeah, just like, I, I also am a big fan of Zach Fox. And yeah, just the idea of uh, in this weird post earthquake kind of apocalyptic, not apocalyptic, but this weird world where like he's going to the doctor because he has a fear of tits. And mm-hmm. uh, this doctor's going to cure this in a, a very. Uh, strange way by sort of just like overexposure in this like psychedelic visual way yeah. where like yeah like literally this cockroach is gonna <laughs> fucking shit on you and you're gonna have this fucking trippy vision and I don't know it's like him having to choose the right beat to sort of coax out Mr. Quibble I just like the little detail okay. like that is, is like I think that's like hilarious to me like the fact that he is like going through and picking the right song is like I don't know things, small things like that sort of resonated with me but yeah but I don't know, like small details and uh, design things like that don't quite justify and <laughs> make the whole, uh, you know, always worthwhile. And I, I, I sort of get where you're coming from. Um, Akira Yamaoka is on, on the uh, music by credits. So it's music by Flying Lotus, Aphex Twin, Akira Yamaoka. I understand Fl- Flying Lotus and Aphex Twin. Obviously Flying Lotus, he's fucking making a movie. But um do you know, Akira Yamaoka is the composer of Silent Hill, and he directed, like, he went on to direct some of the last, like, Team Silent, Konami, Silent Hill games. Okay. Um, and so I find it really interesting, <laughs> like, that Flying Lotus reached out to him to loop him in on this. I find it interesting that Flying Lotus included David Firth, even though I don't like David Firth and Silent Finger stuff. But uh, there's also another name 
uh, in the credits, which is Jimmy Screamer Claws. Or Jimmy Screamer Claws, I'm not sure. <laughs> um, this guy is like an animator. He makes disturbing like feature-length movies and a lot of like disturbing sort of nightmare shorts with like okay. like you know children killing their parents and then committing bestiality and all sorts of like oh, bizarre shit. like computer animated weird like and the animation is like sometimes like intentionally shitty i think to mm-hmm. like give it like an even grosser film like feel um so it feels like there's this, and I, I feel like he's part of like a whole movement of like these weird sort of underground filmmakers who make like disturbing, kind of shitty quality, and the shitty quality adds to the disturbing element of it. Yeah, m- movies. It's like it's like the grind core of cinema or something like that. Um, yeah. Uh, and so I find it interesting that I find it interesting that Flying Lotus finds that interesting <laughs> that he's like. Yeah engaged with the stuff oh yeah actually uh i i was looking at some of jimmy screamer claus's stuff flying lotus actually worked on one of jimmy screamer claus's movies um Sweet. so there is this like ongoing collaboration apparently but um yeah it feels like we have a mainstream musician who is tapped into this underground vulgar disturbing uh scene yeah. and he found a way to not necessarily bring it into the mainstream, but, like, he got it fucking on Shutter. He got theatrical releases. He managed to loop in some of his, uh, you know, noteworthy friends, like, famous friends, like Apex Twin and uh, Tim Heidecker, Hannibal <laughs> Burris. Yeah. Is Thundercat part of this? Yeah, he has some some music. Well, I think okay. it's, there's, like, I think it kind of counts under the umbrella where of Thundercat course. was a big part of uh, the album You're Dead, and yeah. so I think there's a couple He's, of songs yeah, that are just ripped off of your dead like the end of uh smear when he is just like this I, I don't know there's a really beautiful shot towards the end of it it was like a very slow like pull back and it's like i forget what song it is but it's like one of the more just kind of like orchestral kind of like uh tracks from that album so yeah i, I do think there is like an element of that i respect of like he is tapped into this bizarre underground world and he decided to use his uh, fame and notoriety to have his first feature film be one of those movies done on a much grander scale and actually get some eyes on it. Uh, yeah, and so it was. I was watching an interview with uh, on MTV. Well, I was like fucking on YouTube or whatever, um, and he's saying that he uh, attempted to make feature films before, but this is the first one that we use successful in making. But also, he wanted to make a point to not just make a quote unquote a typical black movie where like. Yeah, just sort of talking about themes of a kid growing up in the hood, and there's like you know, this sort of a adversarial kind of gangster character he has to kind of overcome, and you know he has like this gift or whatever. He said he wanted to do something just completely the opposite of that, and I sort of commend him for wanting to take a step and to do like a a hard left turn, but <laughs> it's a very hard left yeah. turn into into really grotesque uh, fucking territory. But you mentioned the the. Was the guy Jimmy Jimmy Screamer Claus? Jimmy Jimmy Screamer Claus, sort of the grotesque animation thing. I think my favorite part of this movie is uh, the towards the beginning. There's like the story of this like a police officer is telling the story of like the uh, dad like fucking mutilating the mom, but it's like it's a kind of like a shitty Photoshop kind of After Effects animation where it's just like a a really grotesque looking like police officer and it's just like a, a very slow push in onto like the the face of this character as he's 
slowly telling the story and it's actually Flying Lotus playing that character. I don't know. I, I just appreciate just like how just like creepy and just like, I don't know, how simple that is. And I think that kind of ties into that char- uh, that person's style that you mentioned. Yeah. Um, so I think it's worth talking about the title, Kuso. Um, uh, I don't know if you looked into that, but... Oh, yeah. So from the Wikipedia page, Kuso is a term used in East Asia for internet culture that generally includes all types of camp and parody. In Japanese, Kuso is a cuss word that can be translated to fuck, shit, damn, and bullshit, and is often said as an interjection. It is also used to describe outrageous matters and objects of poor quality. Um, so yeah, I think it kind of... He's kind of laying out what he's playing with right there. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. In, a, in a very effective way, I think. Yeah, and I, I don't know. I think I'm sort of into, yeah, into it from like an objective stance, but yeah, like the result, is, I do agree with you. It, it is very hit or miss, and it can, can be very kind of hard to get through. But yeah, I just appreciate just the weirdness and just the just the how fucked up it is as a whole i think i I was really into it just because like, oh yeah this is like just something i've never quite seen before like i said i'm not as familiar with salad fingers or like john waters and stuff like that and i, I do I, yeah probably uh 10 15 years late for for me to be like really into the kind of comedy that the movie is going for but i do appreciate it for uh for the attempt and for you know for for what it is there was a, I remember my sister telling me this story. I don't know who the artist was, but she was talking about like how an art gallery, there was this um, like perfect sphere of shit that like people <laughs> were uh, kind of like getting close to and inspecting because <laughs> maybe perhaps they didn't know uh, what it was. Um, I, 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 try, I just Googled it trying to find out what it is. Uh, but there's a... Okay, there's this Japanese art of Dorodango, where dirt and water are mixed, formed and polished to create shiny spheres. So I wonder if that's what was going on. But anyway, um, it kind of feels like this is Flying Lotus's psychedelic ball of shit. Uh, it is a collision between... <laughs> and, like, uh, the reason I bring up that story about the gallery is it's like, if a ball of shit is at a gallery, you, it, it is this play between high art and low art, high culture, low culture. Like, we have this, like, pompous attitude towards art and gallery spaces. And someone brings a ball of shit in there, uh, and it's kind of disrupting that. <laughs> um, yeah. And so this is... he. I feel like he's kind of doing that with this movie, maybe, a little bit. Yeah, I feel that. I, I, keep, I keep referencing fucking interviews from YouTube. So I was watching this video. Is uh, it's Zach Fox and Thundercat, and Thundercat, a Grammy Award-winning bassist, some one of I think one of the best living bassists around right now, which is absolutely fucking incredible. Yeah, uh, if you have a chance absolutely. to see Thundercat, if you have a chance to see Thundercat live, fucking run and get a ticket. It's is fucking incredible. But he was talking, and he's like, he's saying like, yeah, it's like I'm sort of in this circle of like jazz virtuosos people who are like contemporarily considered like some of the best of the best but you have to understand like we're in the internet age where people don't give a shit like people yeah. really don't care if you've been playing the bass or the viola for the past 50 years of your life and you know you have all these microtonal fucking you know you can understand yeah, the instrument like, with it. yeah it's like what can you actually do with it and you know, at the end of the day it's like we're like these people are making songs, they're making jokes, or, you know, they're making content that sort of can be consumed very quickly and frivolously, and I don't know, I think 
Flying Lotus is one of those artists where, I, like, I consider him one of the best of the best at, like, what he does from going back to, like, his music being used for, like, uh, bumps on Adult Swim to his work with Kendrick Lamar and Thundercat and moving on to now. It's like, yeah, I think he just continues to get better. But, yeah, this this movie feels like, yeah, it's at this weird crossroads where, yeah, it's like you have some of, like, the greatest people coming together to, like, make something. But, like, I don't know, maybe kind of aware of that, like, yeah, we don't want to make something beautiful. We might want to make something fucking torturous and fucked up. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's interesting. Yeah. I appreciate that Anders Holm was in this movie. I'm a big fan of Workaholics and him as yeah. the teacher. And I'm just, I, I, I don't know. I appreciate the casting. Also, yeah, yeah. yeah I, and I keep going back to the, the Mr. Quiggle thing. But yeah, I like the, the small music video of the buttress when they're like, they're on the couch and they're like watching one of her like songs. And it's like, I don't know, I, I really appreciate just like, how that music video was sort of shot is really fucking cool and i don't know it made me think a lot about voyeurism because they're like on the couch watching this and there's like a yeah. shot and it's very like, meta oh, yeah. a lot of the stuff yeah. they're saying i fucking you know, hate this movie and shit like that yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so it, it was making me think about it's like okay like yeah i don't know they're they're playing around with like the idea of like what are we gazing at and like why are we watching this yeah. and like why imagine seeing this in a theater dude yeah <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, when it was coming out, there was the word was like mass walkouts at Sundance, at Sundance, but apparently it was only like twenty people during the press screening, yeah. and so I can kind of understand. Like, I think the actual fan screening went a lot better, but yeah, I couldn't imagine seeing this in a movie theater. Um, yeah, would have been a fucking intense uh, hour and a half. Yeah, if it's only an hour and a half, this movie felt so long, dude. <laughs> yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm I'm, I'm I'm sad you didn't quite enjoy it. <laughs> I'm sad you hated it, yeah. but I don't know. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I this I think that it's been good to talk about because uh, I've yeah I don't know my feel my feelings aren't so aggressively opposed to it after this conversation. I think I found some. <laughs> it's given me some more things to think about. Uh, gotcha. But like I said, like you you're probably not going to return to it. I'm probably not going to return to it. But. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, but I, I definitely appreciate the watching it. And yeah, I don't know. Yeah. There's, some, there's some stuff to like. <laughs> what a picture. Buried, buried, belief, buried beneath the, the shit. Yeah. Uh, shall we move on to what have you been watching lately? Sure. <laughs> why, don't you, why don't you start us off? What have you been watching? Uh, okay, so yeah, I mentioned there was something that I watched um, before this that kind of desensitized me a little bit. And uh, the thing I'm going to mention is it is kind of intense. But um, the have you watched any of uh, House of the Dragon? No, I have not. Okay, so there is a scene in the first episode of House of the Dragon that's like uh, that I thought was pretty gnarly. Um, uh, are you planning on watching it? Should I spoil it or should um, I? I might. I might. I might watch it. Okay. Um, so yeah, let's let's hold off on spoilers. Okay, then I won't say what that was. But yeah, there is a scene in that that really kind of shook me and it was a moment where i was back home in california watching kuso and i watched this i think in the same day um and i was smoking weed while watching house of the dragon and there was a moment where i was like had to put the weed down i was like i was like i don't know why i'm supposed to be enjoying watching this because i don't know the way that they treat the human body in that show feels really interesting and yeah i think it's also interesting that uh Lord of the Rings, uh, Rings of Power, sort of also premiered like the week after. So yeah. we have these t two massive um, 
fantasy kind of properties kind of coming out at the same time, one on Amazon, one on HBO. But the fucking Game of Thrones world is just so much more brutal and so much more violent mm-hmm. that I don't, I don't know. It's, it's just it, it's more thought provoking for some reason because I think they're making deliberate choices about how we like look at the human body. And I, I'm really curious what you think about mm. the first episode. Um, yeah, I think overall the show is more entertaining than uh, Rings of Power. Rings of Power sort of bored me a little bit. But yeah, I heard I think, it was a little slow. I haven't seen it, but. But like I was telling, I was on Twitter. I was like, I think I'd much rather hang out in Middle Earth than I would in Westeros. Westeros yeah. is is just a, a very dire place where your your body is going to be on the line at any time. And I don't know, I like hanging out with the elves and hanging out with the the hobbits, and yeah. the dwarves, and it's a lot more more wistful and all now, that fun. So I'm already wanting to watch it just at the thought of like hobbits and elves and dwarves. <laughs> Yeah, there's a Again. scene in in Rings of Power where it's literally it's just hobbits eating blackberries, and I was like, this is fun. Like this, is, I can just do this. I can do this for yeah. for, for give me a whole episodes. episode that's just recipes with hobbits. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there's some things in that that's that I enjoyed, but um, yeah, I'm curious what you think of House of the Dragon if you do get around to watching it. But yeah, on the flight back, I decided to watch a classic film that I had not seen before that I've heard a lot of great things about. That movie is a uh, singing in the rain. Oh yeah. Have you? Uh, did you have any? Uh, I have thought? seen singing in the rain. I am a fan of yeah. singing in the rain. I'm not. Yeah. That was one of those movies where it was like I thought I didn't like musicals. Yeah. And then I saw singing in the rain, and I was like, this is incredible. Uh, yeah, I was like, this is one of those movies that's like a cynical kid growing up. So, oh yeah, there's no way this can be good. Like this is just gonna be like just dumb. But yeah, no, it's considered one of the greatest musicals of all time for mm-hmm. a reason, and it holds that. Like Gene Kelly is just incredible, and I also like the like the lore kind of attached to it a little bit. They're like, oh yeah, like he had like a fever of 103 during the iconic singing in the rain number, and like oh wow, I don't like, think I knew that. Yeah, it's like just stuff like that is just insane. Like I forget the actress's name, but um, the the, the number is uh, Good Morning. Yeah, it's like the like there's like a tap dance scene, and it's like. Like the woman who did it, like her feet were bleeding after, like just because like Gene Kelly just demanded perfection. It's like they just did it so many times that yeah, by the time she was done, her feet were bloody and like they, like they did the classic um, make them laugh number and like they filmed it once and then like they like lost the footage or something and so the actor had to do it again. He was like devastated that he had to like do Jesus. that entire number again. It's like it's just so painful. But, yeah, I appreciate that movie. Yeah, there's like. A part where there is like they're going through, but it's actually right before Make Him Laugh. Like they're going through like this tableau of like multiple uh, film shoots taking place in the studio, and it is a little bit of a dated thing. Where the first thing is like, oh, they're filming like a thing in Africa, and it's like all these actors are like in black, like, not oh blackface, but like in like black makeup or whatever, and it's like all dressed up as like savage natives or whatever. That's one thing. I was like, that's the one little note. I do not remember that. <laughs> that's like yeah. It's like oh, it's like that. That now I know that we're in the fifties. Like it's like now I know this is some dated shit. But besides that one, like two couple of frames, this movie movie's fucking flawless this movie is like incredible and i've been enjoying going back and re-watching like older classic films you know do a little churchill classic so yeah singing in the rain uh if you haven't seen it big zone listeners throw it on it'll put you in a good mood it's, it's some great stuff pair it with um, kuso <laughs> be a great double feature it'd be yeah. so good palate cleanser um, 
Yeah, exactly. Um, even better, um, when Joseph Gordon-Levitt first hosted SNL, he did uh, make him laugh. And he did that as his opening monologue. And Shoot. I remember watching that with, with Max, and I was like, well, he's like, he's doing make him laugh. And I was like, I have no idea what that is. But yeah, and watching him do it, I was like, holy shit, that's a very elaborate number. It's a very, do. yeah, difficult thing. Very yeah. ambitious. Yeah, just, yeah, very slapsticky, very physical, just just a very extended, just like dance number. All just for like one guy to do. But yeah, that's what I've been watching this week. What have you been watching? Um, I went and saw the new George Miller movie, 3,000 Years of Longing. Awesome. I almost uh, saw that. It had some pretty mixed reviews at festivals, so I went in with kind of low expectations. Uh, I wasn't, yeah, I didn't want to get my hopes up for it. Um, I feel like as soon as it starts, you're like, oh yeah, this is the director of Babe 2. Like, it has more of a Babe 2 tone, I think, in the beginning than it does, like, Fury Road. Even though it's, like, George Miller, uh, the cinematographer from Fury Road, Margaret Sixel editing again uh, from Fury Road, Junkie XL doing the music again from Fury Road. (laughs) This time, not credited as Junkie XL, because that would seem a little inappropriate. Uh, And so, uh, so it's, yeah, it's like the whole team's back together. Um, <laughs> the gang is back together but it's like it is not that vibe at all and it feels like he's definitely embracing uh, you know special effects more uh, visual effects because there was all this talk of oh you know Fury Road it's like 90% practical it still had tons of effect shots but like definitely definitely ramping up the effects in this movie uh, in ways that sometimes work sometimes don't maybe it's just like sort of weird compositing of like Tilda Swinton standing in front of a giant Idris Elba and you could sense that something's not looking quite right and then in the following scene he's like putting his hand on her shoulder and it looks amazing and it's like okay I don't know what they're doing here um okay but uh yeah the movie it's basically Idris Elba he's a genie uh she he's telling her the stories of the previous times he ended up in the bottle and okay uh and yeah it's like it's kind of exhausting it's a little long and it's very dialogue heavy because you are hearing these stories be narrated and you are watching the stories unfold as they're being narrated um it's not like you're just dropped into a narrative uh like a, a a little um short film or anything like that like it is very much like idris elba talking over everything that you're seeing um okay which gets pretty exhausting just listening to constant stream of words. Um, and it also has the problem of the sort of Lord of the Rings problem of like ending way too many times. Um, <laughs> okay. You get this grand elaborate shot and you're like, Oh, okay. I guess this is how they're ending the movie. Interesting. And then it's like fade in, <laughs> uh, 30 more minutes of endings. <laughs> and so, yeah, it, it dragged a little bit, but overall I, I was completely satisfied with that movie. Like I, I, I'm, I'm not, didn't walk away raving about it, but I, I was like, yeah, it was like a fine, a fine movie. <laughs> Sometimes okay. you just need to see a fine movie. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's like as a production, the costumes, the set design, uh, very uh, intricate and uh, excellent. I would say. Um, okay. So yeah, like a lot of great production stuff going on, but um, but yeah, it's like a narrative, and it drags in some, it drags on a little bit too long. It's a little overwhelming with the narration, and I don't know, but uh, yeah, fine movie. Um, 
Other than that, I, I watched the first season of Only Murders in the Building. You are right. It's great. Yes. <laughs> it is delightful. Um, I've come around to Selena Gomez a lot, too. Like, I don't think she's doing a great job in this show by any means. Like, she's kind of uh, understated with her performance. Um, yeah. But between, like, this, Spring Breakers, uh, that Jim Jarmusch movie, the zombie movie, Dead Don't Die, uh, she's been making some interesting choices and yeah, so yeah. i'm finding yeah i'm finding her a lot more interesting based on like what she's assigning herself to you know um, yeah as far as like being like the the voice of like i don't know like the podcast younger generation mm-hmm. being into like murder podcasts and stuff like that i think she fits into that role kind of nicely and yeah i was joking with a friend adam who's been on the show i was like yeah i gotta pay a small selena gomez tax to get just like an incredible yeah. uh performance from martin short and uh, steve martin that's yeah. just like just them in like uh what's it like forget what neighborhood in manhattan it is but whatever like whatever like they're like i think it's like the upper east side or something like that but like yeah just them just doing just those characters is like incredible and it feels like sometimes they're just incorporating stuff from their live act because like they went on tour yeah. together um oh, sweet. and like they, ha- they have a comedy special on netflix uh together but um yeah it feels like sometimes they're just i don't know if they're incorporating stuff from their live act or if this this is stuff that never made it into the live act but they have these interactions that feel very like yeah. we are a comedic duo and it's very delightful yeah, <laughs> yeah um, playing off each other uh, so you finished season one i finished season one yes Okay, so what did you think of the uh, casting spoiling? sting? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Sorry, sorry, yeah, sorry, sorry. Uh, spoiling, not the murder, but just like yeah, s- not a major spoiler. Show. Sting shows up. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's like it feels like they it it feels like it didn't have to be Sting. Like they could have used any sort of like major celebrity. Uh, I enjoy that it's Sting. I think it's kind of a sort of a bizarre enough cameo that there's a certain uh, appeal to that. But yeah. For sure. Yeah, I thought it was a little distracting and ended up being okay with it. Um, they sort of do that trick again in season two, but it's a little... I, I wasn't as crazy about who they chose for in season two, but I think it still ended up being a very solid season. Uh, yeah, Tina Fey shows up this season, which was cool to see. Um, I don't know. Yeah, there's not, they're not really that heavy on the cameos. I think you said that season two gets pretty heavy into cameo territory? Um, I... I wouldn't say cameos. It feels like stunt casting. Stunt I feel casting. like when, okay. when watching this show, I, I've more like I've never been more aware of like okay, like I feel like your budget is going into getting just like the best actor mm. for this role as you possibly can, or like maybe the, the ratings most... have been iffy, and they're like we need to get some big talent in here. Trying, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I think it's like it works for the show's favor in a lot of cases because yeah, it's like if you want to get like this kind of archetype of this character then or like get the actor who might be the best for it you know sometimes it might be distracting sometimes you know it could work against you but i think it works i I gotta watch it to know who you're talking about (laughs) yeah it's uh yeah i think this the mystery in season two is really good i was kind of on the fence about it but it, it won me over towards the end and yeah also i really appreciate how the like season one transitions into season two and i think the transition yeah. from two to three is the even setup stronger. is really good yeah, yeah. is season yeah. two season three hasn't come out yet right it has not come okay. out yet the season two just ended like a, a few weeks okay. ago 
yeah, I was like, oh, I thought I was going to be done with this show, but I was like, fuck, I'm completely on board until the wheels fall off. Yeah, it's it's be fun. it's nice just seeing a mystery show, like a comedic mystery show. Like, are there many that are good? Or I don't know. A mystery is such a nice hook to keep you watching, to keep you engaged, and like yeah. amateur detective work. It's really fun. Um, yeah, I'm. A, I was a fan of Psych when Psych first came out, and I was a, a big fan of Monk when I was watching TV a lot with my parents. And those are more. Dead. The episodes are, are are they kind of like bottle episodes where it's like you know you yeah. can watch any single one and see a mystery get solved. Yeah, except for Monk has the overarching mystery of who killed his wife, which I never uh, found out because I never finished it. But yeah, with it, with, he works for the police department, and so he he's well, he's a consultant for the police department. So it's always like. Um, I forget what the term is, but it's like, uh, yeah, episode by episode, not, uh, yeah, serialized, um, yeah. I forget what the term is. Monster it's of the Week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, essentially, yeah, like a villain of the week kind of thing, and yeah. yeah, Psych did that too, but, I don't know, Psych was a little bit more clunkier, but it was still fun. Yeah. And that's all I've, oh, oh, and the other big thing, I got my Steam Deck on Friday, nice. <laughs> and so that has been fucking awesome. Um, it is the device that I've been waiting for. Uh, I will, it's, it's super fucking hot in Oakland right now. I don't like having the computer on cause it heats up the room. This is poorly ventilated room. So I just load up some games on my steam deck, go lay in the backyard in a hammock, play some dark souls, play oh, some sweet. Spyro the dragon. <laughs> okay, I was going to ask like, what have you been playing? But yeah, that sounds like fun. Yeah. Uh, I feel like oh i just i beat metroid dread i like i got the steam deck immediately installed metroid dread not supposed to not, not supposed to play that on the steam deck it's a switch <laughs> yeah, game no. and then uh yeah burned through that really quick um awesome played yeah, perfectly before before moving here i bought the definitive edition of grand theft auto and tried to do it in order to pl- play three vice city and san andreas yeah. like Got like midway through three and got kind of bored just because there's just not much to do in that game. Uh, beat Vice City, which was a lot of fun, but I finally back to playing San Andreas and it's just so fucking good. Yeah. It's like everything I remember from having to sneak and play that. I remember because I couldn't play mature games in high school, parents wouldn't let me buy it. So I had a, a friend from high school buy a copy for me nice. and I would only play at the wee hours of the night. And so I'd have to have my headphones on, plugged into my TV playing grand theft auto san andreas beating up crack dealers and stuff and it takes me back it's a it's a great game i think i don't remember which grand theft auto game it was i bought like the three pack for xbox and uh in high school i think and i remember it was the longest gaming session i've perhaps to this day probably have still had where i played like eight hours over the course of a day it was like a work shift and then like i went for a drive and i remember seeing a car and thinking like, oh, I don't have that one yet, because like I was doing the thing where I'd been collecting cards, cars in the game, and I was like, oh fuck, like that's not that's not okay. <laughs> like, I need to take a break. Yeah, uh, this is not real. Yeah. yeah. Also, a small like little segue. One thing I do appreciate is like on YouTube, you can type it up. There's like depictions of like people doing like the Grand Theft Auto thing, where it's just like you know, just like a skit or a sketch or whatever. Yeah. And I, I always like seeing that. And I don't know, there's a Korean version of Saturday Night Live that does it where it's like 
a South Korean like soldier or whatever, but it's like he's they're like doing it in the style of Grand Theft Auto, so the, the walking is very stilted. And I think I've seen he's this. like scrolling through weapons and stuff, and yeah. I don't know. I just like I I just like seeing shit like that. I don't know why I'm like so into Grand Theft Auto. Um, not so much five, but yeah, San Andreas and four were like really big parts of my 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 youth. I think I've seen that before. Is there a moment where he's sort of running and he gets like caught on? It's supposed to be like he's getting caught on the level geometry, and so he's like running in place and he has to stop and then rotate and then run away. Yeah, it's fucking great. Uh, Yeah, it's cool when that's impressively done. Yeah, 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 definitely. Uh, Maybe we'll be living long enough to see them come out with Grand Theft Auto Six. Who who knows? Who knows? All right, Um, next week my pick. So you chose a bizarre movie. <laughs> um, I am going to follow it up with a bizarre movie. Uh, Sweet. It's Final Flesh. Have you seen Final Flesh or heard of Final Flesh? No. Okay, so Final Flesh is written by Vernon Chapman. He's a member of PFR. They're the people behind nice. Wonder Chosen and Xavier Renegade Angel and all that good stuff. Um, he found out that there were porn studios that would shoot... If you paid them money, they would shoot a script that you wrote. So he decided (laughs) to write this sort of like apocalyptic family drama, break it into four parts, and send each part to a different porn studio. Each each porn studio seemingly having like a different, different, uh, you know, level of production quality. Um, And so, yeah, you end up with this sort of like bizarre, absurd comedy piece where there's no sex... Uh, all of all of the porn actors. I, I don't want to talk about it too much. Actually, let's just let's just go into it. Yeah, yeah. Let's oh go goodness. Ahead. Yeah. So I've said listeners. Enough. Yeah. So yeah, listeners can be have a treat with Kuso and then Final Flesh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> take a take a dip into the dark side of the big zone. Yeah. Cool. cool. Looking forward to it. Episode one hundred. It's gonna be fucking dope. And then gonna switch the formats a little bit and yes. change up the themes and how we choose movies and there might be D dice involved i might need to get myself a 20-sided die so it's gonna be exciting yes season two of egg zone the next 100 episodes yeah <laughs> yeah that's great love it so yeah, if you would like to contact us, you can email us vaguezonepod at gmail.com. Tweet at us on the Twitters at vaguezone. We're always on there looking for questions, comments, concerns, movies, movie suggestions, anything. And uh, if I made you watch Kuso and you fucking hated it, let me know. Tweet at me directly and <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll apologize. Yeah, but yeah, this has been episode 99. I'm Thomas. And I am Daniel. We'll see you next time.